Thanks for listening to the Woodward Podcast Network. Check out more shows by searching for us on Spreaker or wherever you catch your podcasts. The Woodward Podcast Network with Krupka Dental Associates. Hello, this is Dr. John Krupka from Krupka Dental. We now have the Saleo Laser. You can have your fillings done without needles nor drills. We are a full-service dental office and always accepting new patients. To learn more about me and my friendly team, visit KrupkaDental.com. From the Fast Sign Studios, more than fast, more than signs. It's Living the Outdoors with Mark Druitt, presented by Fleet Farm. Be part of the show by calling 281-1570 or 866-653-1570. Now, here's your host, Mark Druick. Greetings and welcome to Fleet Farm's Living the Outdoors show here on The Score. I'm your host, Mark Druick. Thanks for tuning us in tonight. Glad to have you with us. Again, a reminder, we are doing this remotely, so you will not be able to contact us via phone, but you can email me at livingtheoutdoorswi at gmail.com. Again, that's livingtheoutdoorswi at gmail.com, and I will get your questions answered, or uh, if you need some uh, some information on how to get involved in the outdoors, we will provide you with that as well. So, you know, obviously we're creeping up on the uh, the fishing opener here, and we're kind of focused in on on fishing and what's going on. We've seen a lot more boats out and about, people moving around with their boats, a lot of fishing going on in the river system. And uh, I'm gonna welcome in a guest who's been on the show multiple times. Uh, and it's great to have him back again. We're gonna be talking talking fishing again. Uh, and I have Randy Williams here with me today. Randy, how you doing? Hi, Mark, doing great, thank you. Yeah, excellent, man. It is uh, number one, it's great to hear from you. It's been a while uh, and it's great to have you back on the show. And I know you're a very avid angler and, uh, um, you know, fish the Wolf River a lot. But uh, for those listeners, Randy, who maybe are new to the show or haven't tuned in before, um, talk a little bit about how you uh, got involved in the outdoors. If you had an influence or somebody that served as a mentor to you, how did it all start for you? Well, I guess I could start with kind of an interesting story. I like the smell of cigarette smoke outside because... When I was a little kid, I'd be fishing with my dad, and he smoked a lot. And he'd, we'd be sitting on the bank, and he'd say, oh, I got a bite. And he'd put that cigarette in his mouth, and then he'd set the hook. And that's what I remember about fishing, and it got me started. And it, the, he's the one that got me going. And after that, we did, uh, oh, I did a lot of tournaments and a lot of fishing, and I did some guiding. And uh, it's kind of what happened there. Also, I got involved in a, a fishing and hunting TV show. And uh, so I've been involved in the hunting and fishing game for a lot of years. You know, and that's, uh, you know, you, you uh, grew up in the New London area, right? Actually, you... I grew up closer to Milwaukee and then moved to New London with my first job. So, okay. Yeah, it was nice to get out of the, out of the big city and then in right by the Wolf River in New London. That was fun. So, so you spent a lot of time, I take it, uh, fishing the Wolf River. Yes, I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, let's, let's kind of kick that off because I, I've seen, uh, um, you know, a lot of boats heading up uh, that way and a lot of boats out here on the lake. That walleye run is the, do you know where that's at or have you had a chance to talk to anybody? Do you know what's going on out there? I, I do a little bit. Yeah. A lot of the fish are in the marshes. Some of them are starting to come out. There's a, a big school of fish right down now by, by Chico's right now. They aren't real big, but there's a ton of boats and a ton of walleyes down there right now. Uh, that's the, 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 that's information I got just uh, recently. So that's, that's gotta be pretty good. 
Uh, yeah, a lot of guys. So those those fish are still uh, still in the river. They're not making their way back. They're still getting back into the marshes to spawn. Yep. Yes. So uh, uh, I I was in your store not too long ago, and I saw that you had uh, hutch lures. Mm -hmm. Okay, and I happened to have done a TV show with Hutch over on the uh, Mississippi River, and uh, sure enough, we did some hand lining, and I'll be darned if I didn't somehow screw up, which uh, you know I'm famous for, and I got a hook stuck in Hutch's thumb, <laughs> so on camera. So then we had to fight and get, <laughs> get that get that lure. So you take the old rusty pliers and then you yank it out. And we did several shows with with Hutch after that. And every time we'd drive up to meet him, he'd give me the thumbs up. But it wasn't because it was a thumbs up. It was because remember that dang hook you got in my thumb. <laughs> so, yeah. so. Oh, you know, you know, Randy. Every time we get together, we always have a bunch of stories and we have a lot of laughs, which is really. You know what what being in the outdoors is because you're you're going to make mistakes and things are going to happen and uh, um, you've always got some of uh, some of the best stories and you know uh, you know with the with the um, the walleye run going on you know it seems like the weather's getting a little bit uh, a little bit better and the fish are there. Let's talk a little bit about some of the uh, some tactics that you use. I know you've been doing this for a long time. Um, tell the listeners a little bit about what are some of the best ways to catch some walleyes this time of the year in the uh, in the river system. Okay, I want to step back just a little bit. I, I used to be a really, really good bass fisherman. I'm going to brag about it. I won a lot of tournaments. And the reason I was pretty good at it, I thought, is because I knew so many different ways to catch them. I, I could use tube jigs, spinner baits, uh, jigs, worms, Carolina rigs. I, I, I won tournaments on all of that stuff. Now when I'm doing the walleye fishing, 90% of the time I'm using flies. It's, it's just kind of, I turned into a one method peat, but boy, those flies are so effective. And right now the water, when the water gets a little more than 45 degrees, getting close to 50, that's when they really kick in. Earlier than this, what the people were doing is they start with the uh, Wolf River rig and a little treble hook and a minnow. Yeah. And then uh, after that, they'll switch to... Uh, uh, jigging a minnow and then pretty soon you can do the jigs and the plastics and then when the water gets 45 50 degrees then the, then is when i switch over to the flies uh, that's that's kind of my system where we're at right now mm -hmm. when we talk about flies randy obviously you and i um we know how to do that and and you've you've uh, explained it and demonstrated it when we've been in the studio um, explain to the listeners a little bit, you know, what kind of flies exactly are you using? What are some of the techniques that, uh, that are used with the, with these flies? You know, that's a good lead in. I just happened to have finished my second book in the very last chapter. <laughs> I can, <laughs> I can see him on a video monitor right now. I can see him smiling. Uh, uh, the last chapter is, it talks about those flies, but most of the book is about the scoops that I do. And, and I've got a lot of them, but, uh, the fly system is a, it's like a streamer and I will run three flies on one, like a eight foot light lead and then a fairly heavy bell, bell weight sinker. And there's two ways, two main ways to do that. One way is to drop it over the side of the boat and move the boat along slowly, either up upstream or across stream. Occasionally a downstream works good too. And then you pull it. And when you're doing this pulling, 
you should look like uh, Popeye when you're done because you want to keep that thing hopping. I've, I guided a lot doing that. And the people that were lazy with it didn't catch nearly as many fish as the people that kept it hopping, the short little jerks. The other way is to cast the whole rig. If it's a windy day, it can be a mess. But boy, I've, there's some days, especially when you get to the white bass, that uh, it's just phenomenal days, 300 fish in a couple hours. So uh, that's kind of where I'm at. Let's talk a little bit about, obviously, if you've got that kind of a heavy weight on there, uh, what kind of line and what kind of rod are you using um, that's going to kind of support that with, uh, with all that's going on? Well, if, if I'm pulling the flies behind the boat, I like a level wind reel. Uh, some people now switch to the counter reels, the, the line counter, so you can know exactly how much line you're putting out and then duplicate it if you're on the right bait. But... Uh, uh, I like a, about a seven foot medium action rod. And then for the line, I really prefer the braided line. Uh, fire line is what I happen to use, but any of the braided lines will work. And then for the fly line itself, I use uh, uh, a monofilament. Uh, sometimes I use the, uh, uh, well, what do you call it? The fluorocarbon. Be okay. Because the fluorocarbon will last a couple of years, whereas a mono, well, a, a good year is about all you, all you can uh, chance them so that's a, that's a, that's the system i'll use if i'm casting the flies then i like to use a spinning rod and i'll about a seven footer just because you got such a long leader on there with the flies and then you can cast it a long ways and, and it's a little more controllable for me my son will use the level wind both both situations though so it's just kind of a preference yeah, it's um, and you're talking three flies. So how are you tying those on, Randy? You run and run on top, and you have like three ways or barrel swivels on there. How does that work? I've I've done that several different ways. The way I like it the best is, uh, I got I I run an eight foot leader, lay it right out on the living room floor, and I tie a fly on the very end, and then I tie dropper flies, a little line oh about eight eight ten inches long, down off the main leader fly, off the main leader, and tie a fly on that, and then draw that up a little bit further and tie another fly. The reason I like to do that is the advantage of this fly thing is it's not, if, you got to, if you're fishing with a jig, you've got this great big heavy weight, and the fish has to get the minnow and that big heavy weight into his mouth. They don't go slashing through and swim through fast to get a bait. They get close okay. to it and suck, suck it in their mouth. Those flies will do that, will suck into their mouth pretty easy unless they're on a tight line. So if you take a little dropper, when they swim up close and open their mouth and suck that water in, if it's on a little leader off of the main line, it sucks into their mouth easier and you'll hook them. I've had a lot better hookups since I started doing that. Uh, if you want to read the book, it'll tell you how well that works in the last chapter. <laughs> well, you know what? And I think uh, that's, a, that's a perfect segue. Why don't... Uh... Why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about, you've had one book previous to this, and we've talked about that multiple times, but now you've got a new one, which I am extremely anxious, anxious to read because they're hysterical. But um, why don't you uh, tell the listeners uh, how they can get a hold of this book? Well, it's, uh, the name of it is Poor Decisions, and then the sub subtitle is Mostly True Hunting and Fishing Stories, and it is on Amazon. Uh, if you look under Poor Decisions, Mostly True, it'll come up there. 
And uh, of course, last time, the last book, I went to libraries and, and had book signings and things like that. It's a little tough to do that now with our virus situation. So uh, sure. we're just going on the, on the Facebook and things to advertise it a little bit. And then uh, Amazon is the best way to get it. Perfect. And, and um, I'm sure, you know, people go on to Amazon and look for that. And, uh, you know, uh, you, I think you were telling me before, as we were chatting that, you know, obviously with uh, our current situation, there might be a delay in getting that book, but hey, you know what, you could just get on there and order it. And then if you have a, you're practicing the social distancing, you know, take a chair, sit out in the driveway or something and, uh, and uh, get a good read. Yeah. That It'll, it'll put a smile on your face. Uh, the introduction happens to be a pretty interesting little dig on me too. So you might in, enjoy that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, Randy, if we can't poke fun at ourselves, I mean, come on now. <laughs> yeah, that's how that works. Yeah, uh, exactly. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's um, you know, as I had alluded to earlier that there's always stories out when you're in the outdoors, things that, you, you think you should do uh, and you do and then you shouldn't have done it but then you know there's things that uh, you wish you would have done but there's always <laughs> some humor uh, and some stories that, that that go along with that but uh, do you want to you want to give everybody a little uh, a little you know tease here and tell them one of your stories well I, yeah I could do that uh, the f first story in the book is about one of my good friends his name is uh, El Alfred all right and he has done seminars all over the country. He's got close to 300 turkeys he's harvested. And he went on a, a trip in South Dakota once, and his guide was a, a Native American. And they didn't see any turkeys that morning. They walked up over a ridge. They're heading towards the car, and the field had a bunch of turkeys in it. And they all ran off when, when they got there. So Alfred's says to the Native American, you go up by the, by the truck over the ridge there and wait in the, in the truck. And I'm going to wait over there by this big tree in the edge of the field. In about an hour, you'll hear a shot. Come on down <laughs> and I'll have shot a turkey. And the Native American says, well, I don't know. Okay. So he goes, sits in the car, sure enough, 45 minutes later, boom, here's a shot, go, drives down by that tree. And there is Alfred holding a great big tom turkey. Like, what the heck? So the Native American uh, says, how in the heck did you know that that turkey was going to go by that tree? And Alfred says, well, that's pretty easy. I saw that one of those big toms when he ran out of the field had a limp in his left leg. So I figured he'd circle around then he'd come back down by that tree. And the Native American kind of gave him a funny look. And so then they throw the turkey up on the back of the pickup and they do the whole oh, look at the spurs and the length of the beard, all the ritual that you go through. Mm -hmm. And they're, they hop, hop in that truck and they're driving down. And finally, Native American stops the truck. He says, Alfred, you got to tell me how you really knew that that turkey was going to go by that tree. And Alfred says, well, actually what happened was the toms went up off to the corner up there but the hens all ran by this tree and i figured that the toms are going to circle around and go back where the hens went and the native american says well i am really impressed with that that that's i think i'm gonna go ahead, jump ahead and say our elders wouldn't mind if we were to give you an indian name and alfred said oh that would be nice so 
what's the Indian name going to be? The Indian name is going to be Walking Eagle. And Alfred kind of puffs his chest up and says, oh, I got an Indian name. I'm Walking Eagle. What does Walking Eagle mean? And Native American with a real serene voice says, Walking Eagle is an eagle that is so full of he can't fly. <laughs> so you might have heard that one before, but <laughs> yeah, we're probably going to have to edit that a little bit. But uh, um, yeah. you know, that's the beauty of doing pre-recorded. If we we're live, we probably have to have yeah. to uh, take a break or something. But you know, it's yeah, it's uh, it's funny that you know you you um, when you're when you're traveling and you're doing all these things and you meet all these different people. And, and get exposed to all these different types of things and situations that uh, there's always a story to come out of it. You, you bet. Know, there's, all, there's always a, uh, you know, whether it's a good story or a bad story. I didn't I'd have to say, you know, Randy, as much as time have you spent in the woods, I'm guessing you probably have more, uh, more good stories than bad. Actually, I do, but the ones that sell are the screw-ups. So, well, yeah, of course, everybody wants to look at the humorous side of things because that that yeah. is more interesting. If somebody tells you a humorous story, um, as opposed to you know this the generic, hey, I went out and run and gun, and I you know got, found these turkeys, and okay, well, same old stuff. But if you come up with some like you know, was crawling through the weeds and crossed the <laughs> stream and, you know, got up to the other side and got busted by a bunch of deer. You know, the more creative it is, the more interest I think you get um, with people. But, uh, one, you know, that's, one, that's the beauty of it. One, one thing I, I've heard is the title of every speech should be, could be, how to be more like me. Well, if you read this book, you would not particularly want <laughs> want to be like me and a lot of this stuff <laughs> but there's a lot of fun times you know I, i've had the opportunity to be in the outdoors with you and i thought we had a, a heck of a good time when we were out on the on the uh, bay of green bay white fishing we had a ball oh that was a riot you bet yeah. you remember that that was awesome if you can't have a good time doing something maybe you shouldn't be doing it <laughs> so. you know that's just it with outdoor stuff it's uh you know, you have to keep an open mind. You have to look at it for, I'm outside, I'm doing something, you know, I'm, I'm exploring the outdoors. It's not always about catching something or, you know, uh, shooting a turkey, uh, you know, arrowing a deer, something like that. There's all these other things that go along with that. And I remember that trip and driving out there, um, you know, uh, out to this, uh, you know, out to, onto the ice couple miles out i mean that's creepy in itself but uh you know then <laughs> yep. sitting there and, and having the cameras and doing the whole the whole nine years that was the first time i was exposed to white fishing and and i thought it was great and i had a great time so yeah it was it was yeah. awesome and watching watching it on the video is like playing a video games watching yeah. all those fish circle around and yep. trying to figure out when they were going to bite um, exactly on the same kind of topic is uh, learning different ways of, of doing stuff is is pretty key mm -hmm. and uh I'd like to mention a little bit about that H2H fishing program that you guys got going out of those tournaments are really yeah. fantastic to watch and you'll learn a lot. I want, I want to tell a little bit about last year they had major league fishing, which is the same format that you, that the head to head fishing is using. You, you catch the fish, you weigh it, you put it right back in the lake right away and just keep on fishing. I really like that system. And when you're doing that, you can watch it live and you can see where they're fishing and what they're using and which you don't very rarely get to see you really really get to see is how they're fishing those things so i watched a major league fishing thing on butamore last year 
And I've fished for 40 years at tournaments. Actually, I got to brag a little bit. I've won eight tournaments on the Wolf River system, bass tournaments. So I watched very intently. I watched how they did that on Major League Fishing, and about, oh, almost a fourth of the guys got on a really hot pattern with the docks, and they used a special little technique. They had like three different rigs, and I watched what they did, and I thought, wow. Two days later, I went to Winniconne, which is right next door to Butamore. I did those same techniques. I had one of the, by far, the best fishing, bass fishing days I've ever had in my life using those techniques that I saw and watched what they did right on the TV. So that was really fascinating. And this H2H is the same kind of system. So Excellent. Well, I think, Randy, what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and take our first break, and we'll come back and we'll talk about that head-to-head -head fishing a little bit more. So stay tuned to Fleet Farms Living the Outdoor Show here on The Score. All right, welcome back to Fleet Farms Living the Outdoor Show here on The Score. I'm your host, Mark Druick. Thanks for tuning us in tonight. Uh, we are coming to you remotely, and uh, you will not be able to contact us by phone, but uh, you can email me at livingtheoutdoorswi at gmail.com, and I will respond to any of your requests or questions or anything that you do have. And uh, hopefully someday soon we'll be able to get back in the studio and uh, be doing our show from there. But in the meantime, um, our folks over at Woodward have figured out a way for me to sit in this chair and uh, be able to chat about the uh, the outdoors, and hopefully that will bring some some a uh, little bit of joy or some laughs to you uh, during this situation that we're going through right now. But uh, remember that getting involved in the outdoors is a great way to kind of you know um, practice your social distancing and and uh, you know get out there and fish, go for a walk, go for. I saw some people kayaking uh, by my house the other day. Just a great opportunity to to get reconnected uh, with the outdoors. And my guest tonight is Randy Williams. And we're kind of talking about fishing and Randy, you know, we kind of left off talking about, you know, competitive fishing. And I know you've, you've done a lot of that and had a lot of experience with that. And, you know, this new, this new head to head fishing thing has really seemed to have, to have taken off with the live streaming and, and the whole nine yards and, and a lot of local guys uh, getting involved with that and, and uh, just watching the walleye ones that they've had going here lately. It's pretty impressive to see firsthand what guys are using and the techniques they're using. Yeah, it's it certainly is. I apologize. I I talked too long last time. I sorry about that. I goofed up their schedule a little bit. But yeah, that head to head is really fascinating to watch. Uh, if you know a couple of the guys, and I happen to know Matt a little bit, the announcer. So that really made it interesting for me too. But to to watch the local experts do their thing, and there's stuff I I had no idea. Illinois rig, I never heard of that before. They put two repellas on the same line and drop it over to the side of the boat, and that guy was catching fish like crazy. What what a fascinating thing to to see and learn about. So, yeah, and you've you've got the guys, uh, you know, in the studio commenting on that, and and uh, those guys do a great job and kind of letting you know what uh, uh, what what baits they're using and and all that kind of stuff. So it's it's really put a whole different spin on the, the uh, competitive fishing, and you take a look at, obviously you'll uh, you'll agree with me on this, when you talk about walleye fishing, I don't know many places that are much better than this, you know, Winnebago, Bay of Green Bay, Fox River, Wolf River. I mean, I, I, how can you even compare that to, to anything else for walleye fishing? That's that's for sure, yep, it, it's, it's phenomenal, so. 
Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, uh, it, it, it won't be too long here. And I think those fish will start spilling back into the lake and guys will be getting out here and, and, and doing that as well. But, um, you know, well, let's, let's talk a little bit about, you know, you mentioned bass fishing and, and your, your passion for doing that as well. And I'm sure that's going to start picking up here pretty quick, but, you know, t- let's talk a little bit uh, about bass fishing in, in relative to uh, the Wolf River. Is there some pretty good uh, smallmouth bass or bass fishing on the Wolf River? Yeah, the, the bass fishing is actually phenomenal. It's kind of interesting how some years it seems to be more in Lake Winnebago and then it's more in the river and then it's more in the backwaters and, and it, it, things are always changing. Uh, and I fished a, a lot of tournaments. I actually, the last few years, I kind of got away from the tournaments and I just, well, when I was guiding, especially then I would just guide. And uh, now I, I quit the, the guiding now, I retired and, and now I just fish a lot, all different kinds of fishing. Uh, I take my grandson out uh, uh, bass fishing a little bit on some lakes around here. And, and uh, it, it, my whole thing has changed a little bit. I guess when you get a little older, you, you, you slow down a little bit, but I fish mm-hmm. a lot. I fish a lot. <laughs> so. Well, you know, and that's great, Randy, because that's what you should do. Um, in retirement and you've been retired for how many years now oh, about 10 years yeah wow so, has it been that long already yeah yeah so uh-huh. <laughs> so <laughs> well you got to admit though keeping active in the outdoors does keep you young i mean you bet. maybe if yeah. you slow down a little bit you can't jump over the fences like you used to do and you know you always try to take somebody along with you that maybe can handle stuff or they carry the heavy stuff but yeah yeah, yeah you, you just it kind of keeps you young i got the <laughs> I got the cheaters in my sunglasses so I can tie the line and I, I bought a little backup camera so I don't have to move the big trailer around and I can see the, and, and you remember the old days when you had the boat on the trailer and you used to jump right out of the boat onto the ground. Those days are gone too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There's none of that. We, uh, we walk a little bit more gingerly. We take our time a little bit more because, you know, you, you get injured. Uh, you could, uh, you could be out of the game and not be able to do stuff for a little while. That's right. Yeah, that's, that's for sure. So, and, and we had a guest on, um, previously that talked about, you know, the smallmouth fishing in the fall on the river. You want to talk about that a little bit? That is a, if, if you hit that right, that is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, I happen to be with uh, Steve Jordan, a buddy of mine that you know, and I were going to do a show. And I just happened to, the day before the show, bumped into a, a whole school of smallmouth on the river. And uh, Steve had never fished with a tube jig before. And I said, well, this is a pretty sy- simple way to go. You take this tube, you throw it upstream, and then you wind slow, and you have it come down about this, like a dead leaf. All right, that's the retreat. <laughs> and really? when that thing would slow down a little bit, you'd set the hook, and we caught smallmouth after smallmouth after smallmouth, and several of them were tuck, tucking up close to that twenty-inch mark. And and, oh. and when I say mark, I mean mark twice because mark they were twenty-inch mark. Wow, <laughs> uh, <laughs> unbelievable! <laughs> and and they jump and fight, and it was what we were doing is we had the one hot pole with a tube, and then we take. We'd, I'd make a cast and he'd film me and then we'd switch and then he'd make a cast and I'd film him back and forth and it was just unbelievable, really fun. Uh, so, yeah, that fall smallmouth fishing is fun. And it seems like that too. You know, I, I try to uh, get an, involved with that a little bit up in the uh, Langley County area and it seems like, uh, you know, depending on weather-wise, you know, early October, if you can get that just right, uh, and you mentioned tube baits and that just seems to be, uh, you know, years ago we were using crankbaits and 
you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, not no deep diving ones, but some shallows and did really well with a crawfish pattern. But once we started using those tube baits and, you know, in particular for me, it was like a green pumpkin uh, colored one with a red flake in it seemed to be just yeah. an awesome pattern. Yep. That, I had that and a, and a coffee colored one. That was, you know, when I first started fishing, we used daredevils and Johnson silver minnows. And that's what we used. Those, those, uh, Plastic worms, oh, that's for down in Texas. They don't work in Wisconsin. <laughs> that's, that was the mindset we had back in the old, boy, times have really changed. That's amazing. When you take a walk down, you know, aisles in, in, in like Fleet Farm or any of the other um, stores, you just look at the amazing amount of plastics and the styles and the colors, and they're scented, and some of them, you know, smell really bad. Some of them smell pretty good, but it's just amazing <laughs> oh, how well – how yeah. well the plastics have come into the fishing market, not only for bass, but for walleyes as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, rattles. And and he, I, uh, one guy said, it was kind of interesting, I think it was one of your announcers, this uh, uh, Langhill on the HUH, he said, you know, first you have to sell a fisherman before you can <laughs> get it to the fish. So that's mm -hmm. part of the, it's part of that too. So Yeah, yeah, it is. And and I think, you know, when you, when you look at the head-to-head -head fishing tournament, uh, that's exactly what that does because now you're, you know, you can talk to people and you can talk to your buddies and you can go online, but when you actually visualize somebody using it and seeing how they're using it, uh, I don't know how you can beat that kind of testimonial. Yes. You know, years ago, it, it was like 10% uh, of the fishermen catch 90% of the fish. I think the fishing information is getting so put out there so well now, and there's so many ways to learn how to do it that it's that 10 percent is getting to be a bigger percentage you know so. you know and and i think let me ask you this randy do you think in our current situation um that more people um are maybe revisiting you know fishing maybe buying a fishing license to get just at least get out of the house a little bit maybe walk down to the pond walk down to the river what what's your take on that you mean because of the virus thing is that what yeah. you're getting mm -hmm. at? yeah oh yeah, yeah. I, I you you got to get out of the house and and uh that's one happy way to do it, right? Yeah. Get that that's that cigarette smoke smell in your in your nostrils, and you can <laughs> relive the good days. <laughs> right, it's such a great year to be a great time of the year to be out in the woods. Everything's coming back to life. Lots of birds around, and and all that kind of stuff. Cool stuff as well. But uh, uh, listen, we're going to go ahead and take another break. When we come back, we'll have more of Fleet Farms Living the Outdoor Show here on the Score. Farms Living the Outdoor Show here on The Score. I'm your host, Mark Druick. Thanks for tuning us in tonight. If you have any uh, questions, you can email me at livingtheoutdoorswi at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Instagram. And uh, I try to post a lot of things up in there. I've been uh, um, getting out and doing some walks and, and getting out and doing some biking and stuff like that. And I posted up some pretty interesting pictures and some, uh, I'm also doing the Throwback Thursday. I go back into the archives of my uh, hunting and fishing past, and I was one of those guys that documented things quite well. So I've got photos going back to the first goose I shot, to boundary waters, to deer hunting, duck hunting, turkey hunting, pheasant hunting, through all the years. So it's kind of fun um, as I've been digging through some of the archives and some of the old Druick 
photo albums and picking some stuff out. So look for that. seems like people are getting a kick out of it. And uh, um, I probably have more pictures than I could ever do for the rest of my life, but I'll try to keep it interesting and to give you some background information on how old the picture was and uh, where I was uh, doing it. The fun thing about doing that, it's kind of like taxidermy. Maybe, Randy, you having been a, a, a taxidermist in the past, that, you know, photos and, and uh, you know, a piece, of, uh, a piece of artwork, which I consider all taxidermy to be, is like a time machine. I can, like I'm sitting here in my home and I'm looking at a, a deer head and I'm sure you can see the turkey that's behind me. Uh, every time I look at them, it takes me right back to that place in time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We have at our hunting cabin, we have the truth decoder. And since like 1951, every deer that was shot is written down who got it, what was the situation and and any interesting thing that happened that year. And you'd be surprised how many times you have to go back and say, well, wait a minute. That's not exactly the way you're telling it now isn't exactly the way it was in the book. <laughs> so it's really fun <laughs> to go back and we got all the pictures and everything in there, too. Kind of like what you're talking about. So. Yeah, you know, and that's that's it, you know, because over the years, you know, the story gets embellished. It's kind of like the telephone game, you know, uh, you, 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 the story is one way, but you kind of, oh, yeah, yeah, it'll add a few things over the years. But, uh, um, you know, that's kind of the unique thing. And it's I've been um, been, uh, you know, working in my office and rearranging some things. And I found a couple of old uh, journals going back to uh, probably the early to mid to late 90s uh, of journals I kept of uh, my hunting property, trout fishing, uh, bird hunting, uh, including pheasant hunting, duck hunting, turkey hunting. Uh, didn't take a whole lot of photos for the journal, but kept the tags in there, made reference of weather conditions, what I saw, where I was, who I was with. Uh, and it was kind of fun to go back. I think I spent about an hour uh, reading through those things. It's like, you know what? No, I, I don't remember, you know, all of that, but it's cool that, that I, I took the time to document that. And, and, uh, you know, at this stage, I just turned 60. It's kind of nice to go look back at that stuff. That's, uh, that's that old. Yeah. Um, uh, I have a, when I hand out this book and, and sell a few, a lot of people say, you know, I should write a book too. All the dumb stuff and the goofy things that have happened for hunting and fishing. Um, I got a, uh, quick little story about uh, fishing at Winnicottie one time with a buddy of mine. And we, the guy says, we, I went to his place where I was going to jump in his boat. And he says, don't jump in on the side here, go over to the front of the boat and step in because my live well hinge is kind of busted. So I did that, I put my foot over the top, busted off his best fishing pole tip. All right. Set. <laughs> so we go, we, we happened and he was, he gave me the look like I just assume kill you as look at you right now, but he tried to call, you know. So we hop in the boat, we go down, fish Winnicani by the one of the pilings, right? And first thing is he gets his fly stuck on a on one of the pilings because he was trying to net a fish for the other guy in our boat. All right. So I'm gonna save him. I, I don't want to irritate him anymore. So I grab his pole to help it, help him get off of that that uh, piling, all right? So I pull on a little bit, I break off the whole rig. The, the sinker, the snap, everything's gone. <laughs> Son of a gun. So <laughs> I said, he, get, he gets the pole back and he's a uh, little irritated because now the flies rig is bad. So then I got to walk back up to the front of the boat. Well, when I, when that happened, I had set the whole thermos of coffee there because I ran back quick. 
naturally, I kicked the thermos of coffee over <laughs> and spilled it on his carpet. And both all this happened in like 15 minutes. <laughs> oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, if you want to go fishing with me, expect stuff like that. <laughs> be, be prepared for the uh, for the uh, issues, right? Yeah. So, so did he ever invite you to go back fishing with him again, <laughs> or how long did that take? I've, I've fished with him many times, but that's the stuff that he kind of, he puts a little buffer zone there to try and keep me out of harm's way. <laughs> yeah, he puts up a little piece of plywood or something, like, you stay <laughs> yeah, on your side, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we've had a lot of fun stuff together, that guy, so, yeah. Well, you know, that's that's awesome, and, uh, you know, when it's among friends, um, you, don't, you don't think too much of it. it. It makes you mad for a little bit, but it's like, you know, uh, there's there will come that day where you can step back and and laugh at it like you're doing yep. right now. I got a good chapter in the book right there. <laughs> yeah, precisely. And yeah. then your first book has been out. You've had that out for quite a while, haven't you? Yeah, a couple of years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yep. they had about three printings on those. I think I made. I, I total it up. I think I made forty six dollars and twenty three cents total on that whole first book. Not too bad, huh? So. Hey, that, that, that should keep you in live bait for a year, right? Yeah, I bet. <laughs> you know, the cool thing is, Randy, that, you know, a lot of people um, want to do something like that. But what 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 was the final, you know, um, decision for you to say, hey, you know what? I really want to sit down uh, and, and write this stuff down. Well, I think I had a lot of articles. I used to write a, a column for... Uh, a Wapaka paper and then the Wapaka post. And so I had a lot of stuff saved up. And then uh, I, I did a little write up for a fishing guide service in, in Fremont. And I had a lot of stuff written up. And then I got to think, and I'm, I'm kind of like you too. I would keep pretty good track of different things that happened. And I, I don't know, my son is in the business and he thought, you know, I could help you set this up. And he did some illustrating for me and, and, uh, it just decided we'd give it a try. I'm really, really happy I did that. It's just, it was really fun. My ninth grade teacher put me in the worst English, the lower English group and, and told me once that, uh, Ma, you just aren't going to get this thing. And I kind of, that was one of the motivators right there. Well, <laughs> Miss Ninth Grade Teacher, I wrote a book. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Right back at you, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> well, that is awesome because, you know, it's when you can take those, um, those memories and, and put that down and, and share it with other people. That's got to be kind of cool and kind of gratifying as well. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's, and I hate to say it, it's a, it's an ego thing. You know, there's a little bit of ego involved. It's like fishing tournaments. It's a little bit of an ego thing, but yeah, it just, it's some, you can make it fun too. So. Right. Right. And you know, I had the opportunity to do that um, some years back and I think I wrote, um, I think 23 articles total. I might be off by a few um, for the Badger Sportsman, and to me that was just taking my life experiences and my journeys, and and sharing that with people. And I I thought that, you know, that was a way for me to to give back a little bit on um, maybe how somebody can start to go out west and hunt, or you know, start turkey hunting, or start shed hunting, or something like that. If you can just kind of leave your mark or leave a legacy somehow. Um, in the outdoors, some people like to do that, you know, getting their name in the record book or, you know, uh, shooting a, a trophy elk or, you know, the biggest grizzly bear or something like that. But I think it, it goes beyond that, Randy, when, when you can leave your mark, um, you know, in print somewhere and somebody can pick and pick that up and read it and go, 
You know, that is an absolutely hysterical story. You can't make that up. That's funny as heck. <laughs> so, uh, I, I got in my other book. I'm sorry. No, no, that's fine. Yeah. I got a little saying on the cover of my first book. Give me, uh, say something and I'll, I'll look for it real quick. No, I mean, that when you came out with that book, um, and you came on the show and we were talking about it and you said, wait till you read this. And then you started telling me some stories and I'm going to have to have you tell the story, uh, the bazooka story, uh, before we, before we close out the show. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I read that and I'm like, this is absolutely, you can't make that stuff up. <laughs> you just, you just can't. It's like, how can, how can all of these things, all these experiences be relative to, to one individual? But, you know, like we said, Randy, you, when you're out in the woods or you're on the water, you're in a duck blind, you're in a tree stand, you will have just endless amounts of stories. Uh, I found it here that uh, we had a guy write an introduction for us, a country western singer, and it isn't the big fish that you caught or the big buck you got hanging on the wall. It's the memories and adventures that will be the biggest trophy of all. I kind of like that. I do too, because yeah. that that's, I think, what, what truly being an outdoors person is. It's um, some people like the, the thrill of the chase. Somebody want, some people want to hunt just to shoot a big deer. I think, you know, and all the opportunities I've had to travel to Colorado and Wyoming, Minnesota, Iowa, and so on to, to do different things, to see different parts of the country, to experience different things. You know, so when that time comes when you're not able to do that anymore, uh, you know, you've done the things that you wanted to do and, you know, shared some experiences and, and, uh, you know, not, not so much the game. I've been on many trips where I didn't harvest anything, but, you know, the people that you meet, uh, and the experiences that you have or the wildlife that you see, you know, especially if you're traveling to, to different parts of the, of the country, you know, going out East or going out West, you're going to see a whole different, uh, group of wildlife. And I think that in itself, um, just leads to the whole you know, recreating or recreating of all of these, these things that you enjoy. And, and I think, um, you know, for me, it's like doing less of the things I don't like and doing more of the things that I do like. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. So, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's kind of cool to, um, to be able to put that in, in, uh, um, yeah, there's a bit of an ego thing when you see your name on an article or your name on a book, but you know what, that's okay. Mm -hmm. Everybody, everybody has a bit of an ego. If you're, there's a difference between being, you know, um, being overly egotistical and just being confident or, you know, assuring yourself that you know what you're talking about. People like that because, uh, um, you know, it's the people that, that talk about stuff that are kind of blowing smoke that kind of, uh, turn you off in that respect. But if you talk to somebody who's got a lot of experience, um, and a lot of knowledge, you know, it's fun to sit and listen to those people. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, one of my, my best buddy, he just moved to Oregon recently, but uh, he, he always said, you know, when I tell my hunting stories to you, it's more fun because you ask questions and you're really involved and you really want to know about it. Some of my, some of the friends that he, he has, all they do is they just tell about all the great things he did on that trip and all the right decisions he made. And he don't even get in on the conversation. You just are a listener and, uh, you know, you got to do it. It's got to be both ways. You got to be excited for the other guy's big buck and his, and his fish that he caught, you know? So. Absolutely. And I, I've done that multiple times. I've helped guys drag, uh, track animals, drag animals out of the woods. I think I get, um, just as much, uh, excitement 
uh, out of that as I do with my own. It's just being part of somebody else's experience, I think, um, that really is uh, really makes a big difference. But we're going to go ahead and take another break. When we come back, we'll have more of Fleet Farms Living the Outdoor Show here on The Score. Outdoor show here on the score. I'm your host, Mark Druick. Thanks for tuning us in. Uh, please keep the emails coming to live in the outdoors, wi at gmail.com. And you can follow me on Instagram at outdoors living the, and I will keep things posted up there as they get out and get a little bit more active. I am extremely excited uh, to get out and do some, do some turkey hunting here. And uh, how about you, Randy? Are you ready to get uh, fired up and go chase some, uh, some thunder chickens? Yeah, <laughs> I love that name too, thunder, thunder chickens. <laughs> yes, uh, my season also is Wednesday, and I uh, actually went up yesterday and did a little uh, scouting and fooling around, and uh, uh, I do have one little story I maybe could throw at you. It's called the one you mentioned before, the bazooka bird. Uh, we were doing this TV show, and the goal was to shoot a turkey on on our for our show, all right? Well, we got there early in the morning and it was raining cats and dogs. And this tent that was set up was in a big puddle. It didn't the puddle when the tent was set up, but it was in a, like, like a dang lake, all right? Yeah. So I'm thinking, oh my gosh, <laughs> this is awful. And it's, it's, of course, you know, when you go turkey hunt, it's so dark in the morning, you can't see nothing. And we got there and thank goodness, Steve Jordan had set up a, uh, floor on there for us a little matte floor because if you wouldn't have our chairs would have sunk right up to the seat you know because it was all the mud in that lake they were at sure and and so we're we're sitting there and and uh we had a couple of the windows set up where we thought the birds were going to come from and sure enough which happened so many times they came from a different direction right so the direction they think the two uh toms came we only had a tiny little viewing hole all right. So I stuck the gun barrel out there and Jeff was trying to get up on my shoulder and he could not see the bird through the viewfinder with a camera. The hole was too small. So I came up with an idea that he didn't see because he's looking <laughs> through the viewfinder. <laughs> I put the barrel of the shotgun, uh, the, excuse me, the stock of the shotgun on my shoulder. And then he could tuck up a little closer and look out there and view the turkey. So as soon as he said, yep, I got the turkey, I'm thinking to my, this is like, oh, if I do this, I get a whipping, but I actually squeezed the trigger with the stock of the <laughs> shotgun on top, knocked him right on it, right off the chair, right into this lake that we were sitting in, knocked me off and hit me in the, in the jaw. We did get the turkey on film. And we also got the roof of the tent because he was laying on the ground filming the top of the tent after the shot. So oh. yeah, I don't always make the best decisions, but just because it's a bad idea doesn't mean it won't be fun. Or <laughs> you're successful, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, man, that, that is ultimately my, my favorite story. And that's one, the, that was one that's in the, uh, your very first book. Yes. Yes. And uh, people, people can still buy that one too, Randy, if they want to read both of them. Sure. That one is, is called predicaments, mostly true hunting and fishing stories. That one's a little shorter. The, the second one's got a few more uh, pages of stuff. I tried to keep the, I did this, I did that out of most of them and just put in dumb stuff that has happened. So we'll see. We'll yeah. See if they and, like and, it. and 
And who did the illustrations? Did you say your son did uh, all? My those? son actually did a lot of the illustrations because uh, he's he's in the business. He does that, so yeah, it worked out really nice. Uh huh. That's cool. Yeah, and I got that... stories about my grandsons uh, getting their fish and things like that, fishing with flies and getting three on at once. Boy, that's grandkids love doing that stuff. That's really exciting. <laughs> you know, that's got to be another cool thing too, Randy. That. You know, now that you have a grandson, um, that you can you can spend some of that time and share some of that knowledge um, with him and get him involved in the outdoors as well. That's got to be kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. I got a couple of grandsons and and a couple of granddaughters, and uh, oh yeah, they've all got fish with me. Every one of them. <laughs> yeah, do they all like the outdoors too? Well, sort of. <laughs> some a couple of them, the boys are really into it. The girls are okay. So, yeah. Well, uh -huh. And that's okay, too. As long as you get to spend time with them, you do something, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah so it, are you working on that uh, grand, grandchild business there yet, Mark? No, my daughter is just uh, um, graduating college. She's got a real nice boyfriend. I think that's in the future. Uh, but right now she's just focused on trying to trying to get a job. And unfortunately, you know, with the current uh, virus situation, she won't be able to um, walk down the uh, uh, walk on the uh, on the stage and get her diploma. But I think she's uh, she's got got a good head on her shoulders, and she'll, um, you know, she's come to grips with that. But it's kind of an unfortunate thing, and her along with all the other, you know, tens of thousands of kids, high school kids, middle school kids, college kids that won't be able to, uh, um, you know, um, kind of validate that that four years or whatever amount of time they've done in school. But you know, um, she's been student teaching. Uh, you know, and she will continue to do so for a couple more weeks. I'm really proud of her. She's teaching her kids just like what we're doing right now. She's got her kids in front of her and she's giving them a lesson. But, uh, you know, someday um, I hope to have a grandchild and I hope that they're going to um, they're going to like the outdoors uh, as well. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Day. Yeah. 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 Take when you take them and they're really little, be sure, even if they're not biting on minnows, you take minnows, because those grandkids love to play with minnows when they're little. <laughs> just give them a net and let them play with the minnows. Right, little, keep them going. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Got to have some mild entertainment. And, you know, that's all we had when we were kids. We didn't have cell phones or iPads or, you know, any of that stuff. We didn't take books in the boat. We had, you know, can of worms and, and some minnows in the bucket, and that's kind of how you wild away your, uh, your hours of boredom. But, um yeah, it's always good to have some some outdoor entertainment uh, for the kids uh, for the kids as well. But uh, you know, it's a uh, um, it's uh, it's just a great thing to to make an impression. And I think you do that with your books as well. And um, before we depart here, Randy, why don't you tell people how you can get the they can get this new book? It's on Amazon. Uh, Four decisions, mostly true hunting and fishing stories, or Amazon predicaments, mostly true hunting and fishing stories. Uh, excellent mm -hmm. excellent yeah all right well listen randy it's been a, it's always great um to to sit and talk with you i wish we were a little bit face to face but i'm sure we'll run into each other down the line here but thanks for taking the time to join me here on fleet farms living the outdoor show well thank you you're good at this i, I sure appreciate working with you absolutely randy thank you so much Take all right care. everybody thanks for tuning in tonight uh, it's always a pleasure for me to sit in this chair and bring my passion for living the outdoors if you're out there turkey hunting Hunt safe, hunt hard, and respect the outdoors. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Have a great evening and live life in the outdoors. With the 
Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.